Grizzle Pod, episode five. You're here with Scott and Tom. We are Grizzle. We made it to episode five. We're here to help you figure out what's going on in the markets this week. Yeah, it's uh, it's been uh, it's been a roller coaster. It's been it's been that way since we started uh, started the whole thing. Scott, what a week, man! What a week! It started with daggers, man. Market market was uh, still sketch. not happy. No, and then uh, turned, turned it around. Ended green, right? So uh, yeah, so I. What was the what was the how did we end the week, Scott? How did it all finish off? Well, it looked like some greed returned to the market. I mean, we had a uh, Bitcoin kind of turned around, tech stocks, everything that was selling off kind of got a bid later into the week. So it seems like the market is shaking off some of those fears of uh, rising interest rates. Yeah. What's our agenda today, Scott? What do we got on, on top? Uh, all right, we got a packed schedule here. So number one. We're talking Bitcoin a bit. It went to all all time highs, sixty thousand broke that sixty thousand barrier. Next, we have our Grizzle conviction call, Danimer Scientific. We put that out last week. We're going to talk a little bit about it. Next, we have another big Grizzle call, Pen Gaming announced they're going to be added to the S and P five hundred. We're going to look back at that big call we had. And next, you got to talk about these fake market gurus. They're called furus. So we're going to talk about one in particular, just uh, warn you guys that these guys are out there. You need to be careful. And then next is a little bit of cannabis topics. Organogram hooked up with British American Tobacco, which is a heavyweight in the tobacco space. We're going to talk about why British American chose OGI. And then lastly, Aurora, some of the old management team is poking their head up. It looks like they want to get back into the business. Uh, so we're going to talk about the history of Aurora and, and uh, whether they should be let back in by investors. <laughs> redemption, redemption. Yeah. Do they deserve uh, redemption? Yeah. So uh, a jam-packed schedule for sure. Exactly. So, you know, let's talk markets a bit, Scott. So as we talked on, just uh, started it up, right? You know, it, it was a tough week to start. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, what, what do they say when the tide rolls out, right? You see who's not uh, swimming with shorts, right? <laughs> yeah. Who <laughs> has no pants? If, uh, so you know, one thing that I I made a mention of, I'll talk a little later on. But you know, what you do notice is when the folks that are levered, or you know, the folks that that have just been pushing a specific narrative, their tweet volumes go down. <laughs> the frequency they get very in which, <laughs> quiet, don't they? Very quiet. So the frequency in which they uh, they converse to the market uh, falls dramatically. So. Um, you know, that's always a tell, but, yeah. Uh, so, you know, from our perspective, our view was always, uh, there was froth in the market. We, we talked about arc. We talked about all the whole sci-fi stock market, you know, the fact that we didn't, you know, there's intangible value, right. It, I, you know, in the view that these things have 10 years to, before they can do anything. And I, we, we raised the great point of, um, a Virgin Galactic. It's one of these things where the business is just getting started. Revenue yeah. is years and years away. I mean, usually you talk about profitability years and years away. Here we're talking about revenue. So yeah. it's one of these things that's really just sentiment and how bullish or bearish or greedy or conservative everyone's feeling because you have nothing to fall back on. That's why we like companies that have some operations going on under the hood. If things get ugly, you have a floor you can figure out. Yeah. Virgin Galactic, not so much. 
for sure. And so that it really is the the difference between how Grizzle. So Grizzle is focused on growth. We are also looking for multi-baggers. This is our, you know, this is our bread and butter. We're in the millennial uh, millennial investing space, but we are not in the whole science fiction area, right? Um, the, the future that's undefined and uh, not to say, you know, these stocks can't work at certain times, but we think the guardrails that having a business with real underlying growth, real sales that are underpinning it, a path to profitability, uh, those sorts of things, you're going to get phenomenal returns from that. Why wouldn't you want that margin of safety? And I think we've just hit a point right now, Scott, where I think the market is going to come to Grizzle's uh, perspective about growth and how um, – you know where to find that growth so it's it's very exciting for us because i think this is this is our sweet spot yeah i mean i just want to say if you're going to play these like future stocks that you know don't have revenue for five years the only way you can really play it is think about in the tech boom if you had picked the amazon you would have made a lot of money but if you had owned these other ones too a lot of them went to zero so you basically have to spread a really wide net if you're going to play in that type of area own everything and yeah. you got to not get shaken out because remember, they can go down 50% even if they end up being a winner. So Amazon fell more than 50%, ended up being the winner. So the, the only way you can get through unscathed is if yeah. you own everything and hold. But if that's a tough game versus finding something that has a real business today. You can fall back on, on something and you're not going to have to look at like 70% sell off, you know, in, in a market correction. Yeah, and, and you know the you know the the way it works is they just not a lot of people came unscathed after even the dot dot com even if they were diversified. Oh, yeah, think they, about it. You, yeah, you like nine out of ten, you're losing money on. Right? You, yeah, you you own too much trash, right? And and the way it works, and this is kind of this is going to be uh, um, Kathy Woods' challenge is that what she is doing is not what you should do. Is right, you're you're recycling from the strong, uh, the stronger stocks into the weaker ones right so as the market corrects you know she's uh well she said it openly that this is what her thing is to you know go into the you know go into the ones that have been hurt even more right so you just, that, that, you just that doesn't change anything you're still doubling down whether you let the market know you're doubling down or not yeah you're, well yeah and, and you're doubling down on beta which is uh you know i've seen this i've done this you know i've been in resources scott and um you know i've owned super speculative stuff and what ends up happening is the market pulls back you're, you're just because resources in general are super speculative, everything falls, but the real sketch stuff falls way more. Uh, what's your reaction? Well, I'm going to sell my BHP, Scott, and I'm going to go buy some rare earths. Like who, you know what I mean? That's the trade. Like the human nature sets you up to do that, Scott, right? You, Cause you have this set thesis that, you know, this is the way it's going to work. Why wouldn't I do that? Right. But always always that has that rotation especially if you're in speculative sectors which uh kathy wood's world is um you know it it, it always ends badly to just you know that's just the way it goes i mean how often do you see really hot sectors where the bubble bursts and then it inflates back again soon after right isn't it kind of like the bubbles building 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 bloom comes off the rose you never really get back to those highs a lot of those stocks seem to underperform at best if they're not falling a lot. 
Yeah, just you know, it's the punch bowl gets taken away, right? Like these guys, yeah. th there's you said it right in the beginning, Scott, which is wh why we're looking for revenue and uh, we're looking for money coming into companies. But when you don't have revenue, you need capital markets to always be fluid, right? You need to always and and capital markets can continue to be fluid, but if they don't like your flavor, you're in trouble. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, the so, money can be flowing, but it's not flowing your way. You're still in trouble. It does not matter. You know, and, that, and that is what we're truly seeing in the market right now. We're seeing a uh, we're seeing a total flip into cyclicals, uh, value, you know, whatever you want to call it. But it, it's classic because these aren't the these aren't the sexy stocks where that are that are running right now. No, not at all. Uh, and let's talk about something sexy, uh, Bitcoin, oh, right? Man. And so Bitcoin, uh, if, just uh, for those new to the pod, et cetera, Grizzle has been bullish Bitcoin since we started Grizzle. Uh, we viewed it as a um, as something tangible in in the in the area of owning things just for protection, right? So it's the insurance basket. We call it the insurance basket. It, what falls in there is gold, silver, Bitcoin. And you can include Ethereum is in there as well. So uh, we we've been bullish Bitcoin. We felt that you know it's 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 a part of that insurance component of your portfolio. We've never been uh, you know pedal to the metal, own it max total portfolio because you know why 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 not? Because you know we found other multi bag opportunities in the in the real economy. If we ever get to a point, Scott, where we run out of opportunities to deploy our capital in real uh, companies and real businesses that you know that won't do better than Bitcoin. Yeah, then we have a conversation. But all things equal, the reason you own Bitcoin, gold, silver is to protect yourself against uh, monetary inflation, right? The Go government's gone crazy, basically. That's so right. you you never want to be hundred percent, you know, fifty percent of the portfolio in that. It's insurance, so it should never be a majority of your portfolio. Oh, and and we we've talked about it uh, last couple of weeks. You know, the dance between inflation, um, money printing, stock market correcting is never as one to one as you would want it to be. So, you know, the the again, uh, you, having s some ridiculous component in any one asset, it, we don't you know, there's only a few times we would advocate that. And to be totally frank, Scott, I'd be going out, getting a gun, uh, getting some like, you know, seeds or whatever and being in the wilderness. If that, if it, if we're really down to that case where I think I can only get value out of this, uh, I think we're in a different time. That's what you're betting on, right? So like, but do you actually want to be right? <laughs> That's the question. You don't <laughs> well, think about it. And then if you're right, you're like, uh. I'm in trouble well, now. <laughs> well, that's always the inherent gold bug situation, right? Do, do you want to be right? Yeah, uh, but, back a bit. but yeah, you know what? I, I We have to leave with this comment. Uh, great to see Bitcoin breaking through 60K. Uh, very, you know, it, it's uh, it's clearly it's clearly establishing itself uh, as uh, as a clear asset that's not going away. Uh, it does push more pressure on gold. Um, and silver, I think silver's acting better, but still both of them are, are, um, laggard, Scott. Uh, and, uh, the only investing class that can save gold and silver right now, uh, is our large institutional investors. Yeah. And so we've talked about this in the past. It looks yeah. like some of the flows that would have gone to gold or going to Bitcoin. So it'll on be the retail even, side, on the retail side. Yes. Yes. So it'll be very, even more clear potentially 
if gold starts moving, we'll know that it means the big institutions are coming in. Because yep. there's not that retail component to kind of muddy the waters. It's it's much more clear. Gold has been underperforming, you know, for a few months now. Uh, Bitcoin has not been going up. You know, uh, it just uh, like looking at what's going down right now. And this is a real uh, important. Uh, you, you always got to be reading tea leaves in the markets. Got always got to be doing that, right? Um, Dave Pornoy dropped a an ETF, um, and literally overnight it became one of the it became one of the most successful ETFs ever, right? Playing to the millennial demographic. That shows you the weight and the power of the money that's sitting in, in millennials right now. Scott, right now, we're looking at historic levels of money printing. We're staring at inflation. Even though the even though the headline inflation numbers may not say it, you pull anyone. Hey, it's 5%. Lumber's roofing it to new highs. Like, yeah. you, you know, people, we know that there's inflation in the system, whether... That comes through on the quote-unquote official numbers. That's another thing. I saw there was a guy on Twitter who has actually been checking his bill on the different foods from like April of 2020 to now. And he was mm-hmm. saying all these sorts of things. He was given the prices. They were up like 20 to, to 30%. Okay. So that's, that's fascinating. Yeah. So, you know, that all that all makes sense. And then things we know, lumber, copper, we're seeing uh, we're seeing oil move, gasoline. Uh, yeah, you name it. Great... Can you find much that's not moving? I, I can't. No. So, um, you know, but it must be said, Scott, that if gold and silver are in the boomer class and Bitcoin represents the millennial class, that's telling you something very important. The weight and power of this generation and what they you know what it's moving is very significant very significant yeah there's there's definitely flows in the favor of bitcoin i think that's clear for sure and and listen it's not all just millennial flows obviously goes without saying but it's it there are savvy investors in the boomer class that are seeing this and saying i'm putting my money behind demographics versus I'm not sitting on an island alone with my boomer peers. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what's next, Scott? So that was, that's Bitcoin and a whole lot of market chatter. There. I, I think we got to go to our conviction call from last week because uh, hopefully oh, you guys so, caught it. So, Scott, it was the week before, right? So we we released it the week before. We'd sent it out. Uh, we didn't talk about it on the last pod, but you need to discuss that's it this right. week. It's right? time. So. Yeah, so exactly. So Scott, Danimer Scientific, what want to give the high level here? Uh guys, and just just to let you know what Grizzle does and what Grizzle does very well is we are focused on clear conviction calls. That is our calling card. Uh we uh, you know, we do deep fundamental work. We make sure the stock is um is totally set up from and we've hit them out of the park over and over again from Penn Gaming, which we'll talk about, to, uh, to Beyond Meat, to, uh, like, to, what, what, what was, the, what was our, our last ones last year? Um, CMPS. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Don't forget Compass. Danimer Scientific. The list is actually prolific. It's, it's a very long list. It's, yeah. uh, uh, Not to mention the uh, losses we help people avoid in cannabis. Yeah, I feel just as good about those. A loss avoided is just as good as a gain. Yeah. So all of that, all of our conviction calls can be found on grizzle.com. If you go to grizzle.com forward slash subscribe, you get that in your inbox. So that uh, those those go out first, right? We do it through the subscriber channel first and then they come out a few days later. uh, Exactly. 
Yeah, so that's uh, and yeah, it's a nice uh, piece we put out there, a video, the whole thing, yeah. the whole bit. Oh, Airbnb, Scott, that was another. Oh yeah, yeah, Airbnb is a that very one. nice reopening trade. You have the tech and yeah. reopening. Double yeah, guys, we we there we just uh, we're a hit factory. We're you know we were a hit factory. Fundamental work, man. It still pays sometimes. <laughs> Everyone says fundamental analysis is dead. Not in all cases. No, yeah, you haven't been following Grizzle because uh, that's that's our bread and butter. But we do we apply it to growth sectors, and that's the critical thing. Yes. That's the critical thing. Yes. Um. But yeah, let's talk to Animer. Scientific bioplastics, Scott. One word. Bioplastics. bioplastics. If you don't know, now you know. Yeah. Bioplastics is a massive opportunity. Just think of all the plastics that are thrown away in the ocean and landfills every year. All those single-use bags and styrofoam, all that stuff. These guys are trying to change that. They make plastics that biodegrade in, I think it's about 30 days, 30 to 60 days. That's may right. seem like a long time. Do you know how long normal plastics take to biodegrade? 300 years. More than 300 years. So it's it's a huge difference. It will help the planet. These guys are the 800-pound gorilla. They're yeah. way ahead of everyone else. Their capacity is ramping up. They're sold out for four years. You name it. We have a whole report with all the details. Yep. A massive market, market leader, just getting started. That's the type of thing we like to see. So that's that's why we like Danimer. Yeah, and yeah, just high level, just price targets of the stock. Um, so, yeah, so, so yeah, talk about the market, Scott. Maybe yeah, so first market. we just have a quick chart just showing you how big the market for plastic really is. So there's 800 billion pounds of single-use plastics produced a year. Danimer mm -hmm. thinks 500 billion into that is what they can attack. And so if, if you look at, this is such a big market, these guys are like a little teeny minnow. So if they can even take 5% of the plastics market by, you know, 10 years from now, it's a $600 stock. Danimer's at $40 now. So that's yeah, the guys, type of thing, why, what gets us very excited. And that's what you're playing for here, guys. Like, you know, when we're talking disruption, and this is the disruption we can get behind at Grizzle, right? This is, you know, these are the type of things that we see Big trends, just like Encompass Pathways with psychedelics, disrupting uh, depression therapy. These are things that are just, you're going to look back 10 years from now. Like, of course it was obvious, Scott. There, all my forks are going to be bioplastic. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and this, this makes a ton of sense. I don't know anyone that looks at pictures of the ocean and says, yeah, that's cool, man. That's, you know, those, those plastic islands. Get me there. Yeah, I'm going to move there. <laughs> Sounds great. Uh, Scott was Scott. You were telling me, and I I didn't believe I but uh, unbelievable. I didn't know that you could walk on those plastic islands. Yeah, there's a few true? of them, I guess. Yeah, they're they're like an actual island. <laughs> you could set up Wild. a tent there if you wanted. Wild. Would, I wouldn't Man. advise it. No, 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 would not. <laughs> so, anyways, this is a lot of plastic that needs to get disrupted. Yeah. So this is one of these ones where you can make money on it, and it's saving the planet, and it's much needed. So, yep. so th that's why the demand is uh, sold out, and they already have partners like Pepsi and Nestle and some big guns. So, yep. uh, everything you want to see. And then when it comes to kind of when the call came out, so uh, we put out this call when the market was having some of its taper tantrum, worried about rates, and so it ended up being a perfect buying opportunity. Yeah. So it went down to start, but it just did a straight up U-turn. And now it's back above uh, the day that we put this out. So that ended up being a gift to anyone who believed in the vision like we did and said, oh, it's just getting cheaper for me. Because I know that even though the market's going down, nothing's yeah, yeah. changed for Danimer. So that's what you want to see. Yeah. So so the, the report came in and ran around. I think we published on the 4th. So it was uh, 
Yeah, phenomenal. Phenomenal uh, third, fourth. So that, that was a good a good setup for everyone. Uh, nice, nice stock to own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that one has a lot of years to run. You'll hear more about Danimer. Yeah, so that's... So, Scott, what do we got next on the agenda? Uh, we got to talk about Penn Gaming. That's one of our uh, big calls from earlier last year. And we've been mm-hmm. on that trade, talking about Penn, talking about Dave Portnoy for a long time now. Yeah, yeah, this has been... So uh, what, what was, was the news? Because this this came out on Friday, the big news for Penn? Yeah, so Penn Gaming is being added to the S&P 500. Wow, that's big. It's huge, man. It's uh, And uh, kudos to Dave Portnoy, man. He, he literally put that company on his shoulders. And ran. Oh my god, uh, he did. He drove that thing from, I don't know, fifteen bucks. Where are we at now? Above oh, above one twenty five, I think. Buck thirty. Buck thirty. Oh man. What yeah, and, and and so that this was another one where uh, we're we pride on ourselves on being ahead of Wall Street, uh, not doing the silly ratchet up target prices because they are silly. Uh, get the call right, get it done right. Um, and this was. A target price that we weren't saying was 15 years out. We just said, listen, the real value of this company should be re-rated pretty quickly, like within the year. Uh, and we basically have nailed this, Scott. Nailed I think this it. is one of our most accurate calls because remember, it was two steps. There was a $60 price, which was an arbitrage. It basically means yeah, nothing has to why, why don't we pull that up? So why don't we pull up the visuals? So, yeah. those, it, so this but, is yeah. from back last April in 2020, what we were saying. There were two pieces to it. And yeah. the first scenario was just... They the company was getting value for what Dave Portnoy could really do. So it doesn't yeah. take any forward results or anything. It was just the market wakes up to who Dave Portnoy is. And then you had, okay, they're going to show that he can do something with sports gambling. That gets you like a bit of the way there. But back then, you know, it was at like, it was 30 bucks. I think it might even been below. We said, no, 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 no. It's, it's, it's going way past that. That's right. And and we were hammering it. And all of our conviction calls, we hammer it, right? We just said, listen, the stock's at 30 bucks. Uh, Joe Rogan just got the monster of all deals from uh, Spotify. And uh, Spotify, you know, Spotify went up literally like $4 billion. You know, we're like, listen, Portnoy's worth way more from a personality, social media, flex perspective than, than uh, Rogan. We're saying, listen, bang on the table. Uh, there's a thirty dollars that's just here, extra thirty dollars to get you from thirty to sixty. That's a gimme. That's a hundred percent upside. That's Easiest just the market realizing that Portnoy is as valuable as Rogan. That's all that and, was. And that, and we were on this train early. We were banging the table. We said, "Listen, this is this is a man you bet on and bet on again." Then this, then really the bigger upside. Forgetting about just what was happening on the just you know the media aspect here, the bigger upside was just in relation to their gambling business and sports gambling, right? Scott, you want to talk through that on and the upside there to $140 and we're sitting at 130 right now. So pretty damn good. Yeah, and we pretty, said that was pretty close. So this 370% upside, call it a five bagger from from our uh from our initiation. Yeah, yeah I'll take that. So basically, you know, uh sports gambling, online sports gambling is the future here. And so Penn has their own sports gambling operation. Then their competitor, DraftKings, which is the biggest pure play. All they do is online sports gambling. Penn also has uh, brick-and-mortar casinos. So we said DraftKings is trading at a crazy multiple compared to Penn. If Penn can even get to a quarter of that multiple, $140, look where we are today. 
And so I think it's definitely overdue for uh, reevaluation of this target price. And I can tell you right now, we're not we're not going down, and it's not a hold. <laughs> so so stay tuned. We've yeah. we've had our uh, we, you know we've actually had uh, it's it's a it's a it's a two man show here. It's a run and gun uh, all star game here. Uh, you know yeah yeah this is so we we've had our uh, we've had, we had a lot of things on the fire roof. So we've had Danimer Scientific come through. We had uh, Roblox uh, the the IPO. Oh. Plug there, Scott. Yeah. Um, Scott did a fantastic report on Roblox that came public uh, last week. Uh, I think it, it. Scott, you want to talk just through? So it was. What was the pre? Uh, what was the the price prior to the direct listing? I think that's worth talking about. Yeah. So they raised money privately in anticipation of an IPO at forty five bucks, and then they didn't yep. end up doing an IPO. They did a direct listing, and uh, in the video for Roblox, we talk all about what direct listings are. But if you're interested in online gaming and these these uh, on, always online worlds and what teens are into, Roblox is one to pay attention to because yep. they've kind of captured the hearts and minds of 15-year-olds and younger. Uh, they have, I estimate that 25% of kids under 17 in North America play play Roblox uh, every, every month. So they're yep. pretty huge. So if you want so, more details on the opportunity, we did a whole report, a whole video, the whole thing. Yeah. It's 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 clear it's clearly a uh a company that has uh captured imagination. Um it's it Scott's done a great overview of it. It's is it one of our conviction call five baggers? No. Uh, but is it something that, you know, it, you know, I think it's one of those right now, Scott, that let's be frank, it's probably in the area of fairly valued. Yeah, because in in my report, I just looked at how good 2020 was to the company. It's going to be tough to show results that really top that. So it could put a lid on the performance, at least for the next year. Then maybe if they keep, if growth kind of rebounds and they're taking on older, uh, you know, everyone's worried that when you become, when you go to like 16 year old, you move on to other gaming systems and gaming worlds. If they can keep you in the ecosystem, well, then it's probably worth more than people think now. Right. So we'll keep following Roblox. If things change, uh, we'll make sure to let you know. 100%. So what's next on the agenda, Scott? The furus. <laughs> <laughs> Fake market gurus. Oh, when markets man. are ripping, they're everywhere. They're insidious. Oh, oh, man. Tom knows so, better than anyone. Yeah, so you know what? It's it's uh, something when we join Twitter, um, you know, both Scott and I come from an institutional investment br- background. Not a lot of interaction with the whole seedier side of the uh, retail gambit. Um, the just, the you know, chat just, rooms, the, right, which all have that. now been make, made way for uh, Twitter and other places. Exactly. And so when we got on Twitter, you know, we got to see like all of it's very, very uh, these very like n- big networks. And, and these guys, this is uh, this is a you know fascinating thing. And I just wanted to give a breakdown of this, right? So this uh, this week, you know, market volatility downside. What you start to see is a lot of these uh, always furus always leave the building, right? Very uh, quickly, right? The market didn't solve that much, and they're already uh, running no, for it. They're gone, and and you know, uh, and a lot of their followers have Stockholm syndrome, Scott. They, you know, they, they, you know, they, they don't even know that they, you know, they're captors, right? The, the thing about it is they always hear and look like so. These guys um, originally started. I'll give a little bit of a timeline, right? It, they work in the micro cap, small cap space, micro cap space, right? Mm-hmm. Call them low floaters, right? Whatever, whatever you want to call them. 
But they work in these spaces these, and they find companies that are dead effectively, Scott. You know, and uh, what they'll then do is then create some social hype, basically create the volume. They bought already, create the volume, and then, you know, then they'll sell it to the people that they're pumping to. So their followers are the bag holders. They just, the, the followers just don't know it. Yet. Yeah, so it's it's a dead company, but they're selling to those people that they recommended the stock to, basically. Exactly. And this is, uh, the SEC does not like to see this kind of activity. This is really what Wolf of Weed, Wolf, the, the, you know, the Wolf of Wall Street went down for, right? Like, so what, like, it's, um, you know, that what Jordan Belfort, right? Yeah. So yeah. this is what he went down for. So they don't like to see this. They very, they get, you know, they get very, um, uh, because this takes advantage of, very susceptible retail investors. Yeah, and it, it makes it, it kind of hurts trust in the market, and that's the main thing that the SEC hates. Uh, more of that complicated stuff, it doesn't show as bad publicly, but this is simple to understand, and it's lots of retail investors without tons of money getting that's taken right. advantage of. That's right, and so the the way these tip things typically work, you know, we we have to talk about it because this is a feature of the market that continues to rear its. It'll head never and, go away. So as long as you, the better you can recognize it, you'll avoid being uh, taken advantage of. Exactly. The main thing is a uh, first thing is that they 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 never reveal who their full name is, right? Uh, right. It's always and a character or a fake name or something. Or whatever, right? Or something, right? And then, uh, then secondarily, they'll always flash it. We talked about it before. They'll flash their watches. They're this. They're you know. They're pictures they're, of Lamborghinis. Whether they're yeah, theirs or not, we're not sure. Right. Um. And then, uh, you know, and then you know, the, 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 the just the cycle continues, right? And and oh, of course, they're showing you screenshots of all the money they made. Like oh, you know, here, here. And, it's, and it says like I have a six million portfolio. I made a million dollars last month. Yeah, and, and all of that. And then they always have some shitty rags to riches story. Yeah, I had five dollars. Now I have five million. <laughs> it's not <laughs> like, easy. Come like join it, me. You know, all of these guys have the same story. Had ten bucks, you know, lost it all. You know, because these are the things, these are like basically the, they are stringing together the storylines that the human mind just gravitates towards. Yeah, man, if this schmuck, this guy who lost everything. Left with 20, 20, you know, 20 bucks in his pocket and back to 200,000. I can do it, Scott. And people want that. They're gravitated towards that, right? He knows you know, something. They might think that too. He, he, it, like, how, how did he get there without knowing something? To, to, right. And so they're like, listen, I, you know, so it all kind of, and so these guys get a lot of followers, which is the whole thing. It's, it's a recipe, right? And so uh, we've seen many different variants across the board. Uh, one, um, it, someone who does it on a very high level, um, it, you know, the, the a master professional puppet. crew, I'd say. Well, the, well, Chamath is one of the greatest pump. Oh numbers, yes, right. Yeah. You, you, one right? one man he, show there. He's a one man show. Uh, and now, my, mind you, he'll he, you know he skirts it without you know. Uh, without doing it on these stocks that are dead, and but, but needless to say, they, but there are crews that do this, and and one specific one, Zach Morris, uh, which had been followed very well on Twitter, had killed his account. So Scott, let's pull Wait, that. We're going to show you his account, just so you know, if you ever see yeah, it again, so be careful. He had he had upwards of four hundred thousand followers, Scott. Four hundred thousand. Wow. So it's a big. Right? I mean, it's a big operation. They were making lots of money, probably, right? 
Well, it's a big operation. And so what was going on, a lot of things, he was getting into bigger stocks, Fubo and all this sort of stuff. But let me just say this, that what, what happened, Scott, is, is that these guys, they all started in the same place. They talk about penny stocks. They talk about low floats, this, that, the other. These are the dirtiest parts of the entire market, Scott. These are places where their whole, their whole ammo is just pump and dump, pump and dump, right? This is just what it is, right? But then what happened, Scott, is the SPAC boom came, right? Mm, there's a gift and it, to the pump and dumpers. It, it was a gift to the pump and dumpers, and it all, it legitimized all of these guys because now they weren't calling, like, shitty biotech ABF stock, which is you'd never heard of. you never heard of these trials. Zach Morris, he's freaking Zach Morris talking about it, gifting it up, go. Like, that was his old thing when he maybe had – a few thousand, thousands of followers. But then the SPAC boom came. And Scott, literally, because we're in this mania of a stock market and SPACs were in manias, he started calling these SPACs, Scott. And they started going up. And so almost you had this golden era for these guys to show legitimacy, right? And so, and so literally, you were having them run on these stocks, which the stocks were too big for them to have serious influence, but they potentially but they, were... But part, a big part is the longer it runs, the more they look like they're helping you, right? And so well, the well, little teeny stocks, they, it, the pump doesn't last long. These ones can run for like months. And so people forget and they're like, oh, Zach made me money on this. And then he's recycling. And so it just makes them look even better and yeah, more legit. It, and and let's be frank, the these bigger stocks aren't the main show. A, they were still sliding in these. When stuff gets tough, they're still sliding in these no low float micro cap pump and dump stocks. You right? never heard and, of. You're right. And so th this is this is the model, guys. And I know a lot of people are like, what's happening, Zach? You know, he taught me everything. I'm like, I'm like reading these tweets. I'm like, he taught you what? Like, literally, like, th this guy was a character. He had, like, he would flash, like, you know, some watch on a golf cart with a dog and a few gifts. Like, what did he teach you, right? Uh, yeah. Like, it's, think, it's, think back a little bit. Like, you might like be the, stumped. The, 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 it's, uh, you know, guys are like, oh, yeah, you know, this is the reason I got into investing. You got into investing to throw fucking gifts up on a, on a, <laughs> you're watching a guy throw gifts up and seeing a stock, like literally, if life was that easy, if I could throw up a gift and watch stocks go up, Scott, oh my, you know, as like, <laughs> this day and age, we're as close as we've ever come to that happening, but totally. it'll never so, be that easy. So anyways, this guy, like, I mean, whatever, like there are, there are a lot of these guys, right? But why do they shut down their accounts? Why you got to you got to also make sure you mention what happens when times get tough and the market's going down, what they're, what, you know, they're, they're never lose the never lose move. Oh yeah. The, the, oh, the, the, uh, oh, this is the classic. They always just say that when the markets are going down, people are like, oh, Zach, are you still in it? Hey, hey, hit my stop loss. Hit my stop loss. Yeah. I'm in cash. Me. I'm in cash. Yeah. You're like, wait a minute. You weren't talking about that. Well, then they'll say to you, you manage your own risk. And then the Stockholm syndrome comes back. And then they have these guys within the chat saying, yeah, guys, I can't believe it. All what Zach Morris has done for us. or <laughs> You're going to attack him like that? How dare so you? He's giving you all of this and you want to attack him because you couldn't manage your own risk?
please. Like, this is like, but it needs to be said because retail now is such a big part of the market. It's lovely. It's wonderful. But we need to identify pe the, the unscrupulous, uh, you know, participants in the market. It needs to be said. And what what more is that, um, you know, so you, you get this whole you get this whole situation where his followers are like, oh, man, we miss him. I lost all my money. Like somehow your returns never look like theirs. Like Guru Leaks is great about talking about that. You know, they always say, here's your thing. Guru Leaks, are your returns looking like this? They're not. And one of his compatriots, PJ PJ Matlock or whatever is uh he said he in one year he's never had a red day. Oh man. That's a that's listen, a tell right there. Listen, listen. Even listen. the best investors in the world have a red day. Anyhow, watch out. Uh anyways, Zach Morris is no longer around. And likely when when you delete accounts and also uh, uh his associate PJ Moore uh, PJ Matlock, etc. I'm just talking about this guy's just eyes wide open. They delete their accounts. When the SEC is sniffing around, simple as that. It's the way it goes. Uh, you delete tweets when the SEC is sniffing around. That's what's going. The, this you is sweep these are your the tracks things. up, or you try. They try. They're they're not. It's the you know uh, there's too much too many tracks out there, and these guys yeah. are too yeah. dumb yeah. to yeah. to frankly. Uh, but 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 needless to say, will there will do these guys go away, Scott? No, they just end up showing in a different reincarnation. It's like the it. It's the evolution of the same boiler room that Wolf of Wall Street ran. It's today's version. That's exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. So hopefully that helped you a little bit know what to look for, so you don't get uh, you don't join their their uh, Discord. You're not paying four thousand dollars a year for their trade advice because uh, it's not going to get you. Very yeah, far. you know, like that's the, the, even more egregious than they're pumping and dumping on you. Then they'll maybe make you pay for something. Who knows? <laughs> like so many of these guys, it's it's, it's just unreal. So anyhow, um, that that when you when you get, when you come to Grizzle and get it for free, uh, you don't need to be paying. No, that's our motto. No, that's right. Yeah. All right. Well, that was your furus for the night. Now we got we got a little bit of cannabis news that was oh, interesting yeah, yeah, last yeah. week. So British American Tobacco, uh, it's a massive tobacco company, been around a long time. They're partnering with Organogram, a U.S. cannabis or a Canadian cannabis company, and they're buying twenty percent of Organogram. So we were Tom, like you and I were scratching our heads a little bit. When we saw that we we're like Organogram. Yeah, what is going on here? But then we thought about it a little more, and I think I've triangulated what what was going on there. It was where British American Tobacco realizes that cannabis is a real part of the market. And people are looking to, uh, some people may smoke less if they're smoking mm -hmm. cannabis instead. There's lots of like medical option optionality. So they probably said, I want to start poking around and doing some R&D and figuring out what comes next for us. How can I get into that as cheap as possible? Well, Organogram is a billion dollar company. British American Tobacco, I think is a is a 120 times bigger potentially. Yeah. So they're like, I'll dribble a little bit of money. They bought into Organogram at the price in the market today. So they didn't have to pay a premium at all. No. So that's not that great for Organogram, but they got some money. They got a deep pocket investor that can probably help them out. So it's kind of a win-win, but I'm sure uh, British American kind of named the terms here. They get to do some R&D. Canada's the place to do it because it's fully legalized. The U.S., it's a little stickier yep. situation. So I think kind of that's how it worked out. Organogram got lucky that British American chose them because they could have gone with like a, a Hexo or something. So OGI maybe said they have some decent research capabilities. 
because uh, if they had nothing, British American probably wouldn't have picked them. They'd pick someone else. So they got something going on there, product wise or R and D wise. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a pretty like very salient way to look at that, right? And and the the other thing too is that um, you know you're looking at a you know you're looking at a like as you were saying. It, it, this does not preclude them. It's a small drip in the, the bucket, the ocean, whatever. This does not preclude them from making another investment. No, and this so doesn't mean company. that OGI is going to be bought out at the end of the day. And remember, this is R&D, which takes years and years. So it's not going to immediately change the fortunes of OGI yeah. if it does. What it really did is gave them cash that they needed. Because the Canadian market's in a tough spot yeah. right now. Everyone's butting heads for not enough uh, supply yeah. or not enough demand, too much supply. So they just needed some extra cash to weather the storm. Yeah, and so the money. So typically, you know, you, if it's a hot market and things are all great, you know, uh, British American Tobacco would have to pay a premium for the shares. They didn't pay a premium, but what ends up happening because these companies are on life support, the shares rally. That's what happened for OGI. Yeah, because exactly. now they're like, wait a minute, there's uh there's someone here. There's there's an umbilical cord going somewhere. I don't. I don't <laughs> I don't know if food will come often, but at least yeah. there's an umbilical cord. And they sunk some money. Maybe if things get really bad, they'll throw some more at it to try to rescue the first investment, yeah, which is so. what Constellation has done with Canopy Growth. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I tweeted out this week uh, and I just said, listen, you know, what's what's clear, uh, you know, very high level. These, I personally believe a lot of these corporates don't know much, man. They, they don't know very, very much of anything. You know, if you look at uh, Canopy Growth, if you look at um, Kronos, you know, these have all been not investments. They've been malinvestments, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they've, they've watched them. They've watched their value just sink. Um, They're like, oh, it's going to be a long road. We thought it was a, it was a road to riches. Now it's going to be a long, slow climb upwards from here totally so you know there's yet to be one of uh, big corporate that's done it right um you know i think it'll take a lot of time for for all of that to come through so anyhow that but the but the overarching aspect for the cannabis market is very positive in the sense that there are these deep, deep-pocketed corporates that are out there, the stocking bids, if you will, the elephants, uh, you know, the elephants that are lingering that don't want to be out of the. To, as you said perfectly, Scott, they know the market's evolving. They just can't be stuck on the outside. Yeah, so that shows that there's real value to cannabis. Cannabis is going to mature, and there's going to be some very high-value parts of the market. Uh, it's just such early days. But that's why it's exciting to be a cannabis investor right now. There's just massive opportunities uh, to make money for, for years to come. Yeah, and we and we talked about it earlier this week, but tobacco is, is a uh, tobacco is a natural uh, acquirer in the uh, in the cannabis space because yeah. uh, that's a dwindling market and it's it's there are, there are so many overlaps in terms of the, just the transmission mechanism is the exact same as well. Yeah, right? yeah, they they have a long history and that type of thing. Yeah, so that's uh, that's OGI. So, what, so, what so that we- was a good thing, but then we also have uh, some some ma- uh, some people from the management team of Aurora Cannabis. If you ever anyone remembers them, sticking their head up randomly last week. Yeah. And so uh, we wanted to talk about that a little bit because it looks like they're maybe looking for forgiveness. I'm not I'm not sure what the agenda is there, but so who are there? So two two big executives there. Uh, we got um, so it was Terry C- Booth was the CEO, and then Cam Baddeley was really almost like the CEO. He was the face of the company. He was yep. called the chief corporate officer. But if you ever know, looked up anything about Aurora, he was the one on TV. 
he was talking first on conference calls. Like the guy was front and center talking the Aurora story until it all went wrong. And then he went to Australia, but now he's back. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, right? So, so Cam Botley was jettisoned and so was Terry Booth at the same time. Like they were both let go of from by by uh, the chair, uh, the board. Yeah. And, uh, so both of these guys, uh, I think it's worthwhile. You know, they, they were, they were sent away, Scott. They were, they were sent away. Um, because they didn't perform right. And, and, uh, Terry Booth, uh, you know, obviously, you know, he's, he's coming back. What, what, what's his new role? What is he doing? Uh, Australis, which was an investment of Aurora's, I guess he has a shareholding in that. So he's going to be the new CEO there. That was the vehicle that Aurora was going to try to use to get into the U S so it's really a U.S. cannabis company. So we'll see what he, what he, what he can do there. Can he redeem himself? Cause his track record is not good. So this is his opportunity to prove that uh, he's well. He wasn't even a one-hit wonder. <laughs> well, no, and, and this is the thing: is like you know these guys, like like the, the, their egos are just so big. This is the problem, right? If you look back and say, "Whoa, that's what I did," um, I don't, you know, I've got, you know, let's be frank, they're sitting on millions, both of them, right? Uh, yeah, they, they left like they hit a home run, even yeah. though it, uh, shareholders were left kind of in in pretty rough shape. Yeah, so you know this idea that you know this ego that gets you back to say, listen, totally, uh, you know, totally did a doozy there, crap company, uh, ran it to the ground, but made hey, tons of promises they couldn't meet over and over and over. Never started pulling back and being more uh, conservative. They just kept saying we're we're going to do all these amazing things, and then every quarter they weren't doing the amazing things. Yeah, and uh, and and Cam. Oh, so what's Cam coming back as? Like, obviously, he's got a gig, too. So I think he's I think he is back. a gig. I'm not sure what it is yet. Yeah, uh, I think he's alluded days. to that. But he's been very active on Twitter. There have been a lot of people uh, that have been, um, uh, obviously, very uh, uh, negative towards, uh, you know, his kind of... Um, there's, I mean, there's a lot of animosity because he was the face. So you're the one who takes the fall. And then a lot of people were really invested and they put a lot of money and they lost a lot. So... Yeah. I don't think you should be surprised if people are not willing to give him any forgiveness uh, at this yeah, point. Exactly. And, and you know, he, he wrote a, a, a tweet thread and kind of tried to explain, you know, you know, and he kept talking about we, it was all, it was all, you know, kind of quasi poetic or whatever, but you know, it's just like the guy seems like a nice enough guy, but let's be totally frank um, uh, in terms of being a steward for capital. Terrible. Terrible. No. Yeah, yeah. Him, they, him they didn't really build much, right? Because yeah. what's left? A company that spent billions of dollars and it's limping along, really. It still yeah. needs more money all the time. I think the stock price shows that. I mean, we have yeah. the chart here. You just see the very bottom is Aurora <laughs> on so any this, metric you look at that. So if we look at a period from 2018 to 2021, so January 2018 to March 2021, this tells the story. So we're we're basically looking at the performance of Aurora versus all the other large, well-capitalized cannab- Canadian cannabis companies. So let's put it this way. All of these guys all had access to the trough to raise as much money as possible, and they all did. Um, and we're looking at them three years hence. Scott, this tells the story. What What's the performance there? So Aurora is down 90%. 
and, but everyone else is up between 30 and 40%. So a pretty tight range. So it's not, there's not that many outliers. Everyone else has still managed to eke out a gain, though it hasn't been much of an annual gain. Aurora looks like a company that's that's about to go away or could soon. Yeah. Like, and so, the, and their peers are Canopy, Kronos, Afria, OGI. So these, all of these companies had access to capital and they're all within basically 10% of each other, three or cents. Not a great return for the entire group, but, you know, they've, they've managed but to... there's a big of, gap between them and Aurora. Aurora's just way at the bottom. Huge. And this was, this is the one thing, like, you really have to look at yourself and say, listen, uh, this amount of capital destruction, Scott, are the, you don't ever see management teams come back. They go away, they disappear. But this is the hubris of the Canadian market that was early days cannabis, where they felt like they were rock stars, uh, that they deserved all, you know, they deserved the future, et cetera. Fine, fine, fine. But you look back and you look at the ca absolute capital destruction. Th there is nothing within the Aurora organization based on one stock chart. That's why stock charts are great, Scott. There's nothing in that that stock that's fallen 90 percent um, and their peers are up 30 to 40 percent that suggests that anyone in their company knew what the hell they were doing. They are capital destroyers. I cannot I can't emphasize that word. Capital destroyers. In any other industry, if you screw up this badly, you don't come back. But the hubris of, of the Canadian cannabis market, which was basically yeah. one gigantic pump and dump, yeah. um, it it kind of it, it leaves you with a bad taste in your mouth when these characters try to come back and try to, you know, they, there was a clubhouse. You know, they're like, let's welcome Terry Booth back to like the main. I'm like, what, what are you welcoming him back? Like yeah. destroy more that? capital. Oh, it's like you know, it's like some law firm person stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, because you took all his fees, and now you want to take all his new fees. Ah, Get out of here! The, the Get out of here. here! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's how investing should work, right? You have a track record. So you either have none, and then you can scrounge to get money, and you build your track record. Or if you destroy it, that's it. That's it. And Scott, the way it usually works is you go from the minor leagues to the double A's. You know what I mean? Like you, you work your way all the way up, right? You know what I mean? Like you're getting you 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 know you get you get to you get to the you know you work all the you way up. You gotta prove your chops a little bit. You don't just get uh, thrown into the the major leagues. Totally right. And what happened to Canadian cannabis is they had capital, like they were in the major leagues. They totally blew it because most of these guys had no real track records before. So what ends up happening is you get total destruction of capital, and now they're knocking, 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 saying, I want to come back into the major leagues. I'm like, listen, you had no business being in the major leagues in the first place. You had no business being a steward of that amount of capital. None. Yeah. Zero. Nada. I mean, the only way I could see these guys coming back is think about if there were um, institutions got in early enough and then sold out. They're the only ones who made money on this thing. So if they are willing to see these guys again and think they can get it, which is a, basically would be a pump and dump again, uh, which no would be terrible. But like no otherwise, I don't see it. No retail is going to give uh, Camp Battley money anytime soon, hopefully. Nobody nobody in their right mind from institutional to retail is going to give 
Terry Booth or Cam Batley, like any sort of like they like yeah they may have some but they, but they're out here trying to fix their image because they know they need retail support on their respective ventures whatever they are and I think Cam Cam had said something like oh, okay well you know I don't think it's worth I don't think I'm ready to retire I don't think I mean like no one's telling him to retire no one's telling him, but the reality is you're going right back into the place that you basically screwed up so royally. Um, like, like you got to own it. And he yeah. did this long thread saying we like some sort of, we giving the, the umbrella to Canada, you know, how the, the systems. Yeah. It was the whole, it, even though the data, everyone who could look, it was easily available everywhere showing that there was going to be a problem. And they never said anything like that to any investors. If you, if you, you can go back and see all their presentations, yeah. they just said, Oh, things are gonna be amazing. We're doing this. There's no oversupply. There's tons of demand. And if yeah. you just look at the numbers, you'd be like, eh, that's not the case. Well, not you know, what the, this idea of scapegoating, like, the, okay, obviously you can point to the government, they, they, but the graph, go back to the graph. How did this happen? Point it's to the government? A, you should know what's coming from the government. Yeah, like, you're you're the insider. Totally. You're seeing it 100%. You're seeing yeah, it on the inside. The, the graph don't lie. The graph doesn't lie. You, like you, the, you cannot explain this away f from uh, what, what cannabis Canada or whoever the government. Who is the guy? Health Canada. Who, whatever yeah, the governing Canada, yeah. body. Whatever the governing body there is. Health the, Canada. the rules didn't change. Actually, you know, once we got legalization, the rules were the rules. So you could have seen the pro where the problems would pop up. Yeah, and they didn't drop the, a bomb on on everyone. No, no. So the, this is you can't explain this away. Uh, you can't explain it away to the government and say the government, bad government. And what I said in my tweet, I said, simply look at this graph relative to your peers. Total junk show. Like no one should trust. You need to earn trust back by like starting to flip houses again or something like <laughs> yeah. that. You need to start Keep your with, head down in a corporation or something. Totally. Like much lower amounts of capital and then work your way up. I totally get it. But for anyone to give you a Maserati, no, that doesn't work like that. Um, and then you're starting with a Subaru, my friend. Exactly. <laughs> and secondarily, Scott, now this captures all of these guys, which, you know, they, they've all, they've all had, their, had their own problems at certain times. Exactly. They've all malinvested capital. There's no question about that. I, you know, I think that's, that's clear about the industry, uh, but clearly Aurora is an outlier within that not great subset of, of, uh, capital deployers, but more important is that there was a company called Redican, Scott, that is a private company that has somehow managed to become a top three player in Canada. Without Scott. raising all that money from public investors, right? Bingo. So uh -huh. so all of this, uh, you know, the, the markets were un, unsavory to us, this, that, the other. No, A, first and foremost, you should have been able to see what was happening. Just good capital, Stuart. But B, you were not. You were a terrible operator. It, and uh, this goes across the board. Most of these guys are terrible operators because you have a company like Redican that's top three, Scott, in Canada. Didn't take a lick of public capital. They did it all privately. Exactly. So it can be done, right? So you're, who are you blaming? But someone else has done it, even with the government and all the government problems. Someone's done it without all the billions of dollars that you wasted totally. and they're doing okay. And I think they're shuttering one of the Aurora skies or one of those, yeah, one of those big ones, one of those big ones. And, and like, really like how much work did you do to look into this? The, the sheer cost. Of, you just needed of, one employee whose job was to look at the market. 
And I guess they didn't have that employee. It's wild. Wild. The whole thing is wild. Uh, but anyhow, that's like... So I'm sure some of you Aurora investors, you agree with us. Like, you can't just come back into the game after six months away. After you have yeah. a track record like that. Well, that's it. You know, once you burn capital and, and then you kind of come back and hope that, you know, there's redemption and here's my new gig. It's tough, right? Especially when... It's one thing, Scott, if you, if, if you were in a world where social media and retail wasn't a big part of what drove the market, right? You can, you know, you maybe find another group of institutional investors, you stay behind the scenes, but this is you're going back to the well of the same people you hoodwinked, the reality. Yeah, and it's thousands of people, right? So it's a little different than a few big institutional owners. Yeah. Very, very hard, very hard yeah. to pull off. Uh, yeah, this roar, the roar a long way back. <laughs> management team of ex-management team, longer way back. <laughs> oh man it's been the furu episode fake gurus whether you're yeah. a corporate steward or whether you're whether you're a, a pumping uh low flow penny stocks uh just be just be weary out there like the best you know scott said it right early on one of the best things that you know you can do period is to miss the bad investments that's the best thing because then you you live to play another day. That's what the market's all about. Yeah. If it, the longer you're around, the better chance you have that your investments are going up. 100%. 100%. Indeed. All right. That was a jam-packed episode. We got to do a lot of stuff here. Man, cranked it through. <laughs> Guys, uh, we'll be back again next week. Uh, for all your grizzle needs, you go to thegrizzle.com. Grizzle.com forward slash subscribe is good. And... If you are not, please do check out uh, the Grizzle YouTube. So you kind of go into YouTube. It's 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 uh, YouTube.com forward slash C forward slash Grizzle Media. But if you type Grizzle, you'll find it yeah, in YouTube. It. But subscribe. Um, put the little belly thing on because we're up there every week. You, you ring that bell and then you don't need to know whether we're on or not because it just goes ding, 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 ding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Grizzle time. And totally. And anytime we're dropping big conviction call stuff. We're up in YouTube right away. Uh, we did a one hour on uh, on Danimer, which was great. Yeah, so I would watch that. That's probably even more info than the article because we went through everything in the article and answered questions on it. So that's kind of yeah, like that was, the magnum that was, opus of Danimer. Indeed. And, and the, the reception's been fantastic. Uh, it looks like we've got another classic grizzle multi-bagger on our hands, which is yeah. nice because we're early. Everyone set, can set it, get it, forget it. This one is a nice one for that. Indeed. Um, Scott, lovely to do it. Back again next week. Thanks for hanging out with us, guys. See you next week.